Live the good life unless. I'm Melissa Goodwin, and this is Frugal and Thriving. Hi, welcome to episode five of the Frugal and Thriving podcast. Today, I'm going to talk about getting more done, not by managing our time, but by managing our energy. When it comes to trying to fit everything in that we have to do in a day, we often look to time management hacks and strategies to get through our to-do list. Being frugal takes more time than convenient solutions, and modern life is busy, so it makes sense that we want to look for time management hacks. And while time management strategies are definitely useful, in this episode I want to argue that there's something just as important, if not more important, than time management. And that's how we manage our energy. Have you ever had good intentions about what you want to get done in the evening, only to spend time on the couch in front of a screen because you're too tired to even think about your to-do list? When I started thinking about my own time management, I realized that I have plenty of hours, but I don't make the most of those hours because of lack of energy. Managing your energy is harder than managing your time. There's no app for that. But when you don't manage your energy, it becomes almost impossible to manage your time. Now, if you're a woman listening, particularly if you're a mum, then energy management is even more vital because... If you've got kids, you probably don't get regular sleep, and fractured sleep is not as restorative as a good night's sleep. And of course, there's things like shift work, or noisy neighbours, barking dogs, snoring partners, staying up too late, all of these things can impact our ability to get a whole eight hours of shut-eye. Another factor that impacts our energy is our hormones and our reproductive phases, and how this system affects our iron levels and all the other systems in our body. Not to mention that puberty and menstruation and pregnancy and childbirth and breastfeeding and menopause, they can all take a lot of energy, especially if they're not balanced with good nutrition and plenty of rest. Ladies, can you relate to this? This beautifully orchestrated system, and it is beautiful the way everything in our body works together is amazing. If it's not in balance, it can leave us feeling exhausted. Another thing to keep in mind is that research shows women are more negatively affected by lack of sleep. It affects our working memory more. And we're less likely to be diagnosed and treated with sleep disorders. Not because we don't have them, but because they present in us different to men and most of the sleep disorder research is done on men. Finally, chronic stress is such a big factor for many of us and it completely drains our energy. So much of our culture causes stress. Our busy schedules, the fast pace of the world, difficult relationships, current events in the 24-hour news cycle, social media, digital entertainment, chemical stress from pollution, infections, inflammation, even constant noise pollution can cause stress. All of these things lead to low-level chronic stress and that depletes our energy. 
But I want to mention a particular cause of chronic stress that I feel is often overlooked and underappreciated, and I think we should bring it more to the light. If you're like most women, then your mind is running a million miles a minute with a to-do list that can wrap around Jupiter, because women still do the vast majority of administrative thinking, and this is also referred to as kin-keeping or our mental load. It's all the constant little things like making sure there's fruit for school lunches and booking dentist appointments and RSVPing to birthday invitations and making sure the car is serviced on time and remembering to pick up the milk on the way home. And we've only been awake for 28 seconds and it's 3am. Can you relate to this? This constant mental micromanagement is kind of necessary really unless we want the car to break down but it is also exhausting and women bear the brunt of it. So of all these things, sleep, hormones, stress, as well as lifestyle factors like nutrition and physical activity, they all affect our energy levels and therefore how we can use the time that we have. And that's why energy management is often more important than time management. So what has this got to do with frugal living? Well, before we can create frugal habits, before we can thrive, we need to look at how we are managing our energy. And when we look for solutions, we find that they often include simplifying our lives, minimalism, living more frugally, mindfulness. Yes, we need more energy to create frugal habits, but being frugal can also give us back some of the energy that is being sapped by modern living. So after that long intro, I want to share some strategies that can increase energy. Now, for me personally, this is an area that I am focusing on this year. And so I wanted to share some of the things that I've been learning and that I've been working on. Energy management is kind of a foundation on which to build everything else in order to manage your time better, to develop frugal habits, to stick to your budget, to achieve your goals and to realize your dreams. You first have to manage your energy. And it all starts with a good night's sleep. One of the first things I ever bought online years and years ago was the book The Power of Full Engagement, Managing Energy Not Time by Jim Lower, and I hope I've pronounced that correctly, and Tony Schwartz. And the idea was a big revelation to me at the time. And so some of what I'm going to share in this podcast comes from that book, as well as a few others, including the neuroscience of mindfulness. And I'll link to all the references that are in the podcast in the show notes. Also in the show notes is a worksheet that you can use to create your own energy management rituals and that they can become a regular part of your week. Now in their book, The Power of Full Engagement, the authors break energy into four parts. Physical energy, emotional energy, mental energy, and spiritual energy. Physical energy is foundational. It's pretty hard to function well when you're sleep deprived, so I'm going to look at physical energy first. If you think of physical energy as a triangle, the three points of the triangle are sleep, nutrition, and movement or exercise, and they all affect each other. So if we're not doing enough physical activity, for instance, that's going to impact the quality of our sleep. 
And if we're not sleeping enough, we're more likely to reach for those sugary, high-calorie foods to compensate to give us more energy. So let's start with sleep. We can't always control whether or not we get a full eight hours of sleep without being woken in the night. And I'm not suggesting that we can make our sleep circumstances perfect because I don't think that's realistic for most of us. And to paint a picture for where I'm coming from, my kids are nine and seven and they still don't sleep through the night. There's a pub down the road, so we often get a lot of people coming home in the wee hours of the morning, making a lot of noise. And I live in a townhouse with neighbours that are on the other side of cardboard walls. So there's a lot of things that impact the quality of our sleep that we can't control. But we can take steps to improve the likelihood of getting a good night's sleep, improve our sleep quality, and therefore increase our overall energy. So what things can we do to improve the quality of our sleep? The first step is to just be in bed for eight hours. Going to bed earlier and having a regular sleep time that supports your natural circadian rhythms goes a long way to getting more sleep. Now going to bed early doesn't guarantee sleep, but it makes it a whole lot more likely than if you're staying up late. The next step is to create a bedtime ritual that supports the winding down of your mind and body so that it's easier to fall asleep. Part of this ritual might include eating earlier so that we give our digestion time to work before bedtime when our digestion naturally slows down. It might include some calming rituals like having a warm bath or reading a book or doing some planning for the next day, or even just chatting with your spouse. One thing that is best to avoid as part of your bedtime routine is digital media. The first reason is because blue light that screens emit can interfere with our natural circadian rhythms. Light helps regulate melatonin, which regulates our wake-sleep patterns. Bright sunlight in the morning and during the day helps reduce melatonin and wake us up. As the light fades, melatonin rises and gets us ready for sleep. The problem is, modern life gets this all backwards. We spend, we spend all day working indoors under dim lighting and then spend the evenings under bright lights and in front of bright screens. So it's important to try and mimic as much as possible the natural rhythms of light by getting some natural daylight during the day and at night time, if you can't or don't want to avoid screens, to use a blue light filter, which you can download for free as an app for most devices, or to use blue light glasses. The other reason screen time can affect sleep is because the media we watch can be stressful or upsetting. And I know for me personally, after a big episode of Game of Thrones, I need some time to unwind before I can go to sleep. So having an hour or so between screen time and bedtime can help improve the likelihood of us falling asleep and staying asleep. A few other things that affect sleep are alcohol, caffeine and sugar. And so cutting back on all of those things helps us to sleep better at night. What we eat doesn't just impact sleep quality, it can affect our energy levels throughout the day. And if you've ever had a food coma after eating too much, or the three o'clock slump, you know what I mean. 
after eating, our energy is directed to our digestive system, which is good. That's how it's supposed to work. But that means we can become tired and we concentrate less. And so smaller meals of whole foods and not processed foods, low in added sugar and processed grains and low in fat can help moderate energy throughout the day. Drinking enough water can also increase and maintain our energy. Research suggests that even mild dehydration can affect how well we can concentrate. Finally, how much physical activity we do each day affects our energy levels. Regular exercise can be energizing in its own right, but it can also improve sleep quality. So that's physical energy. In a nutshell, get enough sleep, eat healthy food, and do enough exercise. Now, if you're not sure what you should be eating or how much exercise, that's where your GP can help. And of course, it's always a good idea while you're there to get a general checkup to make sure there's no medical reason that you have low energy levels. The next area of energy management is to look at emotional energy. How we feel emotionally affects our body. Feelings aren't just thoughts in our head. They are chemical and hormonal and physical reactions in our body as well. Stress causes the fight or flight response, which is a whole cascade of physical and chemical reactions in our body that we then have to recover from. And so strong emotions can take their toll energy-wise. Now, what I'm not talking about here is trauma or anxiety or depression. For those types of things, it's always important to seek the help of a professional. But for the everyday emotional wear and tear, like dealing with an angry customer or a demanding boss or a child who's having a tantrum in the supermarket or a cranky spouse, there are things we can do to conserve and replenish our emotional energy. One super simple but powerful technique is a deep breathing exercise. And there's a growing body of science that shows using deep breathing lowers the stress hormone cortisol and relaxes our body. One deep breathing exercise is to take a deep breath in through your nose so that you can feel your belly expand. You can put a hand on your belly if it helps. Hold your breath for a second or two and then exhale through your mouth slowly until all the air is gone. As you breathe out, drop your shoulders, relax your jaw, and feel the muscles in your neck, your chest, your arms, your hands, your legs go heavy and relax. If you practice this every day for just a couple of minutes, it helps develop the habit so that you remember to use it when you're feeling strung out. A second ritual to try is a bucket filling ritual, something you do each day that fills you up and makes you feel better. Talking to a friend or a family member is a good one. Even venting can be good. We all need a couple of friends who will listen to us vent every now and then. But it's just important to share the love and listen when it's your friend's turn to vent. And the thing about empathising with somebody else's problems is that it not only takes your mind off your own problems, but filling somebody else's bucket also fills your own when you pay someone a compliment or you help someone out, it also makes yourself feel good. Other ideas for filling your bucket might be reading a good book, which 
science says is one of the quickest ways to de-stress or listening to music or having a warm bath or doing some other ritual of self-care that makes you feel good. The idea is to pick something that makes you feel nurtured. A third strategy is a mindfulness ritual. A mindfulness ritual is like meditation without the sitting still part. Some people, and I'm talking about myself here, find it hard to get into meditation. But a hobby can also be meditative and it can calm and replenish us when we're stressed. There's a lot of information on the how and the why in the book The Neuroscience of Mindfulness if you want to get into the science of it. But research shows that a hobby can help get into a meditative type state. Any hobby will do, but it should be something that you can already do well so that you can get into a flow state without having to concentrate on learning and having the frustration of learning a new skill. Ideally, it will be repetitive in nature, something like knitting or playing an instrument or doing Tai Chi or even colouring in. And it should require some control and focus, like getting the tension right in knitting, hitting the right notes playing an instrument or colouring in within the lines. And doing mindfulness rituals, focusing on a hobby that you love, even if it's just for five minutes, can be a great way to calm your mind and restore some emotional energy. Moving on to the third energy type, that's mental energy. Mental energy refers to the ability to concentrate on a task. It's the energy we need when we're working and when we're learning. Obviously, just thinking will use up mental energy, which is definitely not a bad thing. But there are four things that can make our mental energy less efficient. These include being super busy. This is the mental load I referred to in the intro. Multitasking. Distractions especially digital distractions, and not honouring our natural rhythm of focus and rest. There are two approaches to take to being super busy. The first is to simplify and delegate as much as possible so that we just don't have as much on our plate. And I know that's easier said than done until we burn out and then all bets are off and we don't have a choice. So it's better to do it now and try and prioritize the things that are really important to you and the things that you can let slide or delegate to someone else. The second approach is where time management strategies come in, but time management is the last priority, not the first. Why? Because we all have so many hours in the day and we have more time than we have energy. There's only so much we can jam into the time and energy quota that we have for each day. Now, using time management strategies to become more efficient if we're currently inefficient is smart, but trying to maximize every minute of the day without allowing for all the things that replenish our energy leads to poorer performance and eventually burnout. Often doing less and taking the time to rest increases productivity because we all work more efficiently and effectively when we're healthy and not tired. One of the most powerful time management strategies is to spend time in the morning or the evening before 
planning out your day and prioritizing just three things that you need to get done and focus on. We have a habit often of writing to-do lists that are miles long and in practical terms would take a lot more than 24 hours to get through them. That causes stress and often a sense of failure because we haven't crossed everything off our to-do list. When we prioritize and just choose three things, we're more likely to get them done. And when we prioritize, we're getting the important things done and letting the things that aren't so important take a back seat. And this helps us manage our time and manage our energy because we can plan time to rest in between doing those three important things. The second drain on mental energy is trying to do too many things at once or multitasking. Our brains are pretty darn amazing, but they actually don't multitask. Instead, what they do is they constantly switch focus between tasks and this ends up being less efficient for your brain and more work for it. Monotasking, on the other hand, focusing on just one thing at a time takes less mental energy. The only time when multitasking works is with tasks that are so habitual that they don't need a lot of concentration. The third mental energy drain is a biggie, and it's distractions. Now, distractions can be in the form of clutter around the house or around the workplace. And studies show that messy houses increases stress, particularly for women. It can also be in the form of interruptions by colleagues at work or kids at home. But the biggest distraction of our time is digital media. Every ding, every notification, every message pulls you away from what you're focusing on. And it takes a lot of time for the brain to get back into the flow. Not to mention constant media is just more information and often unnecessary information for our brains to process. And depending on what you're watching or what you're reading, it can cause emotional stress as well. So giving yourself guidelines about media and distractions, turning off notifications, and limiting how much you watch can conserve energy for more important things. So that might include batching emails and deciding to only check it at certain times, or it might be um, having rules about when you use your phone and when you check Facebook and for how long you spend on it. Finally, there's our natural focus rhythm, which is about 90 to 120 minutes long. So that's the length of time that we can concentrate optimally. After that time, our mind doesn't focus as well anymore. We get distracted easily. We start yawning and we start feeling restless. It's really good to be aware of this and rather than push through it, to take a quick break and recharge. The length of the break is less important than the quality of the break. A good rest break includes getting away from digital media, doing a bit of stretching if you have a desk job, getting five minutes alone time if you work with people, even if it means hiding in the toilet for a minute, which I've done when I worked in retail. So that's mental energy. The final area of energy management is spiritual or mindful energy. Spiritual energy includes re-energizing by connecting with your passions and getting into a flow state where you become absorbed in something that you love and have a passion for. When you get into flow state, time just passes and you look up and think, wow, a whole hour's passed and I didn't even realize. You become 
really absorbed and you're really interested, too often this is the area of our lives that gets neglected the most. How often do we spend time doing the things that we love? How often do we decide not to do our hobby or passion because we're too tired? How often do we not do it because we're too busy? But it can be surprising just how energizing it is to do something that you're really passionate about. Spiritual or mindful energy also includes connecting with a higher purpose in life and living by your core values. And this is something I talked about in episode three. So I won't go into a lot of detail here. Um, You can listen to the episode, but it can be as simple as spending quality time with your family, if family is one of your core values, or volunteering with a group that supports what you believe in. Living in opposition with your core values can take its toll. While doing things each day that are in alignment with what you value is energizing. So those are the four areas of energy management. Physical energy, emotional energy, mental energy and spiritual energy. To develop energy rituals we need to work on them consciously and intentionally just for a little while before they become habits. So to make it easy, you can check out the worksheet on creating energy rituals. I hope you found this episode useful. And if you have, it would be awesome if you could leave a review. Also, don't forget to subscribe in your favorite podcasting app to stay up to date with the latest episodes. Thank you for listening and all the best on your journey to being frugal and thriving. (music) 